Heterodorks, heterodoxdorks. Hey, turfs and trannies. My name is Corinna Cohn, and you are listening to Heterodorks. I'm Nina Paley, and I'm also your co-host of Heterodorks. Did you hear that Ellen is ending her TV show? No. People were, like, uh, going after her last year, right? They were all saying that she was human or something, that she had failings, she wasn't perfect somehow. I heard that she is the only asshole in Hollywood. That she is the only human being in the whole of the entertainment industry that is a high-pressure boss who expects extraordinarily high performance from all of her employees. Yeah, well, Hollywood is pretty famous for just being only excellent people with uh, tremendous moral standards. And uh, yeah, I mean, I guess she needs to be kicked out. And very laid back, no pressure. Just get the episode done whenever you can. We'll air it whenever we've got space in our next time slot. It's all cool. It's all good. Yeah. No, she doesn't belong in Hollywood, clearly, or on television or in media. No. And I think there's a, a reason why she doesn't belong in Hollywood anymore. And that is, does the reason begin with the letter L? It does, but it's not L like Ellen. I guess that's an E. It is because she is a lesbian, and we can't have lesbians anymore. We have to have queer women. That's right. And but so why isn't she uh, desperately flailing and saying that no, she's queer, and and why isn't she like declaring herself trans and saying that she has they them pronouns? That could save her career. It could, and the fact that she's not doing it, I think, is the reason why she has got to go. Hmm. Now maybe she's ready. So I think the deal is that because she is not using the new language, the LGBTQIA plus language, that she is an old school lesbian, that she has a material existence and a material analysis as a woman who loves women, that we have to sweep her to the edges and get rid of her to make space for queer women, preferably queer women who are male, and preferably queer women who are male and of a non-white status, because that is the new, porous, undefined, fuzzy definition that we need to usher in so that we can replace everybody who has a material description of their sexuality. That makes sense. But that also makes me think about Katie Herzog, who manages to be a lesbian, but also... Well, she was canceled, right? So She has um, an ongoing campaign of hatred against her, where there are still people putting stickers on doors in Seattle that are anti-Katie Herzog stickers. Yeah. That makes me really want her to go all the way, but she's just not. I mean, things like saying that women are female and that, uh, you know, like acknowledging acknowledging the the onslaught against younger lesbians and acknowledging the misogyny of the trans movement and perhaps expressing some concern for the, I guess she's expressed some concern for the transing of girls, but she, well, golly, I mean, she's had a a very well publicized article about the disappearance of lesbians and the, them being subsumed into the trans culture. Yeah. Yeah. So there's 
infighting among radical feminists or there's infighting among gender critical feminists at the moment. And all I can say is it is dismaying. Uh, yeah. You know what? Fuck those people. <laughs> Let's name them. Name names. Who's infighting? All of them. Who's infighting? <laughs> These groups, no matter what group it is, the trans activists have their own little infighting sessions and the radical feminists have their own little infighting. And uh, when I say little, I'm, I'm not trying to minimize it. I, I know it feels serious if you're involved in it. But that's the nature of when you, when you are part of the in-group and there gets to be too many people in the in-group, you fight. It's something to do, right? It alleviates the boredom. You go on a big, long bike ride and you get back and there's no bullshit, but the bullshit's what's interesting, you start a fight with someone. Who am I going to fight with? You? I would, if I were you, Nina, I would say something very thoughtful and mediated to the political lesbians that you know <laughs> about anything, just, just anything about political lesbianism. Say, I agree with it. Or I disagree with it. Just anything. And I, th I think that will get the ball rolling. Yeah, political lesbianism. Oh. It's too bad because I, I actually understand. I, I'm not against political lesbianism. And that's what makes me apparently a horrible homophobe and lesbophobe and monster. I think no matter what position you pick on political lesbianism, somehow somebody will see you as homophobic and a monster. No, no, I think it's no. Um, I do see. Have you been seeing people ragging on? I like the like my choice of words. Ragging on political lesbianism lately. <laughs> I have. I have not. This I thought this was a settled topic. Oh my goodness, no! I thought political lesbianism was for everybody, including men. <laughs> no, no, for men, that's real lesbianism. Right. They were always right. lesbians, and and really, they're at the forefront. They're the they're the great heroes of lesbianism. Whether or not there's political lesbianism, there's material lesbianism, and um, what would be the other? Immaterial lesbianism. Immaterial aspirational lesbianism. You you aspirational. That's right. That's what we should call it. Aspirational lesbianism. <laughs> You know, for for a group that's treated so horribly, people have it's so aspirational too. There are so many people that want to be lesbians. They want to be the the lesbians in porn. They don't want to be the lesbians that are picking up groceries and their kids. Well, political lesbians totally want to be that. What? Pick up groceries and their kids? Yes, political political lesbianism doesn't require homosexuality, so it's it's not a sexy or sexual thing. Political lesbianism is uh, women who have just eschewed men, which you could also call celibacy, I guess, except that the idea of political lesbianism is that women continue to what did Sheila Jeffries say? Like, put their best energies into relationships with women. But they don't have to be sexual relationships, which is why the confusion happens, because the word lesbian 
uh, came to mean specifically sexual orientation in the 80s, but it didn't specifically mean that before. But now uh, angry young lesbians insist that it has always meant specifically and exclusively sexual orientation and nothing else. And, uh, and to even say what I just said is lesbophobic and homophobic. And I'm trying to kill lesbians and hate them and want them all to die. Well, just wait five years. The words will mean something totally different. (laughs) Yeah, but I have met older women, older lesbians, who uh, still use the term and are fine with it and don't think it's lesbophobic remotely. and. Maybe we can call it inclusive lesbianism. No, because we don't want to include men. When you say we. One. One does not want to include... Well, I guess men do. I guess men want to include men. But uh, yeah, the word inclusive has kind of been ruined. Uh, I mean, really, it's just... Les- I mean, I understand. I, I can I cannot use the phrase political lesbianism. It's just the problem with not using it is then everything that's ever been written about political lesbianism has to be thrown away and some very interesting things have been written about it. Uh, And it does have like a specific meaning and it reflects a specific ideology of lesbian feminism. Lesbian feminism was a thing. It's pretty useful when words mean things because that way you can convey information or history to other people. Yes. But then they just keep changing. The meanings keep changing. And what can you do? We should talk about... I mean, I know... Oh, here's a great thing. Here's some great news. Right? Uh, uh, Israel is uh, currently at war, I guess, with... I can't even figure out... Like, what part is Israel and Palestine? Israel and not Israel? Or um, there's war in and around Israel once again. And that means that my short segment, This Land is Mine, which is the last scene in Seder Masochism, is being shared widely again. Isn't that great? It's like evergreen. It is. How much money do you make on each viewing? None. Oh, well... See, at least you're not exploiting the tragedy of the Palestinians. Correct. I am not a war profiteer. I make no money from my online videos. However, you've just given me an idea of how I can make some money. Yes? How? I will upload your video and put advertising on it. You can do that. And then you have to direct everybody to your video with the advertising rather than the other uploads that don't have advertising. So where do you come down on this issue between Israel and the Hamas and the Palestinians and all those people? I uh, have the privilege of being born and raised in the United States and being distant from it. So having a privileged distance, I can uh, not not take a side i mean that's an incredibly privileged position it's extremely privileged if i were there uh it you know the side that i took would be 
absolutely informed by my experience, you know, like if I were injured or my property were damaged or my property were taken from me, uh, that would totally inform my position on it, right? Like if, uh, if I were an Israeli Jew and for whatever reason I were injured, endangered, uh, or somebody that I loved were injured or endangered or killed or threatened, uh, I would just automatically uh, be opposed to the enemy. And I would, I would be like, um, we are the victims. I am the victim. I am scared. And I am being oppressed. And why and, isn't my government doing anything? Right. Or why are they not doing it enough? Right. And let's just solve this problem once and for all. And clearly we have the only democracy in the area and our superior and, and like that. If I were Palestinian, uh, I would absolutely think, uh, <laughs> I mean, mostly, mostly what I think about it personally is like, what a terrible idea this was. There were some Jews that spoke out against the establishment of Israel as a Jewish state while it was happening, Hannah Arendt being one of them. And it's like, this was just a terrible idea. Nonetheless, there's all these people that were born there. You know, it's been generations. You don't choose where you're born. And there it is. Uh, I have like zero solution to it. Uh, the entire history of all states is a history of conquest and colonization. So it's not unique that way. Uh, you know, it sort of showcases everything or many things that I dislike about humanity. But I'm, yeah, I'm very privileged, right? Like, nobody's shooting at me. Nobody's dropping bombs on my house. Nobody's um, colonizing my home. It's easy for me. Do you remember when this sort of stuff was going on all the time back in the 90s? I think it's been going on all the time, like, continuously. Kind of, but there was sort of a, a big break between, I don't know, George W. Bush and, and now where it wasn't happening quite as intensely. No, it keeps happening. Every couple of years, there's some, uh, it heats up. The expansion of Israel is constant. It's this constant, relentless settling. The settling. It makes me uneasy because from what I understand of it, and, and I should start by saying I'm not well informed. I don't have to be. I'm not over there. But I understand that as part of the settlement, they take land that has been owned by other people, and they just take it over and put their own housing on it. So sort of like uh, if you were squatting in somebody's house, but they were also living there at the same time. It's, it's colonization. Right. Yes, it is colonization in progress. I don't think you have to be pro or anti-Israel to make an observation that 
that is a move that will lead to conflict. Yes. There's something that bothers me a little bit about how American politicians are responding to this, though, Nina. Yes. We have China, who is brutally oppressing its Muslim minority. There are acts of state violence against citizens in places like Burma, where scores of protesters have been killed. Yes. But it seems like it's always the case that whenever Israel does something, no matter what they do, there's always more scorn for Israel than there is for any other country. More scorn and also more support. And that is because Israel is kind of an American colony in a way that China certainly is not. I mean, Israel is an outpost of the West. And uh, there's tons of Americans supporting it, and there's tons of Americans opposing it. And I assume the same is true of Europeans. It's sort of a European project. It was it was established because of events that occurred in Europe and Israeli society, as I understand it, is dominated by European. Jews, Ashkenazi Jews, and culturally it is much closer to the West, Americans and Europeans. Uh, I have, there are a lot of people named Paley who live in Israel. Uh, I'm not close to those relatives, but they're there. There are many, many people. You undoubtedly have relatives in Israel. Uh, we're just not in touch with them. Um, but many Americans have some connection with Israel. And uh, there's also a lot of Palestinians in the United States. Uh, I dated one of them and was very close to him. And uh, he is unambiguous. Well, that's not even true. I, he's not unambiguously anti-Israel. He's he's unambiguously critical of. We should just have him on, you know. We should we should have a guest that can rant uh, about this. Do you want to get in contact with your ex and and see if they'd be? I didn't. Oh, yeah, he... I, I didn't mean to misgender him by saying they. By the way, I, I apologize. <laughs> I'm gonna, she. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do better and do the work. It's Zer. Zer oh. or Z or Z or, you know, I really need to ask ask him his pronouns. <laughs> He's not putting them in his emails. That really makes it hard. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I... when you dated, did he have a male penis or a female penis? Uh, you know, I didn't ask, but we did think about having a band called, what was it? I think the band was going to be Girl Dick and Manhole. <laughs> that sounds wonderful. <laughs> and 
Anyway, uh, now he's male. He's he's not, uh, yeah, not confused about that. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't, I think he was like pretty spot on about this stuff. But he, he had less ambivalence. His position was less ambivalent, and he would talked about, you know, going to Israel with his father when he was young. And just because of his last name, this Arab last name, uh, he and his father were treated like absolute shit uh, by guards and bureaucrats wherever they went. So that's what I mean. It's like, yeah, if I had experiences like that, that would uh, that would make me pretty damn anti-Israel. Understandably, I wouldn't want to be treated like shit by a conquering power either. And that's basically what Israel is because the Palestinians don't have a, a recognized country, at least not by the United States. I think I think it's been recognized by by some other countries. And even if they did, it's not contiguous. It's broken into to two different sections. And uh I I don't think those sections even necessarily have transportation between them because I I think they're isolated. Yeah, and his family lost a ton of land. Uh, and just imagine, like, having this happen and, and, you know, trying to deal with the bureaucracy that, that is in place, you know, ostensibly, you know, ostensibly democracy and rule of law and stuff like that. But this, this bureaucracy is just sort of gaslighting you constantly while your land is being taken away. And uh, really heartbreaking stories he had about the family Olive Grove's um, I think some of the trees were just destroyed. I think, uh, I think a lot of olive trees has just been destroyed there. Yeah, that sounds terrible. It's really, it's awful. Uh, so yeah, I mean, if I by chance were born in that situation, I would freaking hate Israel. And if I were by chance born, um you know, an, an Israeli that, like I said, was vulnerable or scared or, or affected in the opposite way. Maybe I would hate Palestinians. But I was born here. So I can, you know, in the comfort of my distant home, act as though it's, you know, these silly people that just can't stop fighting. But of course, we all fight. We all fight when we're... uh competing for limited resources yeah if you're hungry if you got to feed your family if you got to shelter them you need medicine for them all of those things will change how you make your decisions yeah i'll fight when when i'm endangered but i'm not endangered by either israelis or palestinians or by the chinese at the moment or by uh you know, anybody in Burma. <laughs> it's like, I'm here. You are. In a safe little college town in the Midwest. Yes. Well, I have my own problems here. In That's this. true. It's not a safe college. It's not safe for me. I have felt extremely unsafe here and been unsafe here. And then if that's how I feel, just imagine how a non-binary person feels here. They are never safe anywhere. They're, they have it worse than anyone in Palestine or Israel. 
because they might be misgendered. Right. I've I've seen that happen right in front of me before, where a non-binary person who had protruding mammary glands and was wearing lower garments that did not have individual leg holes in them and had hair past this individual's uh, ears down to their shoulders was called a girl right in front of me, or was called she right in front of me. I had um, vicarious PTSD from watching that misgendering happening right in front of my eyes. Did you do the misgendering? Probably. (laughs) So it was self-inflicted PTSD, and I'm still working on it. I'm trying to do the work. Yeah. Maybe we should just misgender all the Israelis. I don't think the Palestinians care about that so much, but I think increasing numbers of Israelis do. And and so maybe uh, misgendering them is the way. Yeah, would you like to hear an interesting little factoid? Sure. My friend's daughter, who is on the verge of turning 13, has four classmates in her class who identify as non-binary. Why isn't she joining them? I asked her how she felt about that, and she said, that's okay for them, but it's not what I want. And I was like, hallelujah. But did she say why? No, I didn't press her. But I did say, by the way, I'm I'm trans, so if you ever need to talk to somebody about it, let me know. And she's like, good? Like, oh yeah, you're, you're uh, almost 13, you should probably know. <laughs> they don't know you're trans? Uh, evidently not. Oh my goodness. I know you'd think with all the stuff going on in the culture that, you know, it'd come up as a topic of conversation, but it hasn't yet. Wow. I know, it's like, but you know I work with computers, right? And I watch anime? How do you not realize I'm trans? (laughs) But you're not a lesbian, Corinna. How can you be trans? I'm not really trans. I'm only partly (laughs) trans. I've I've only transed my sex. I haven't gone full transgender yet. But when I do, Nina, I'm going to get one of those new progress flags. Oh, my God. Internet bullshit or reality bullshit. Did you see that that Target has gone full speed ahead on marketing products that have the, the conquer flag, the progress flag, the queer flag on it? Yep, because you sent me those. I did. I don't know if you saw all the products. They have uh, one t-shirt that says trans rights are human rights. And it has this other one that I might go to Target and buy and send you. So if you get a box from me that has a t-shirt in it, I hope you'll wear it someday and we can post it on the webpage. It has this beautiful rainbow flag that says ally. By the way, I asked my uh, my sister if she wanted to be a guest on today's show. Oh, where, where is she? She's in the dining room, oh, okay. but she didn't want to. Uh, Fucking like, transphobes. <laughs> I also asked her son. Um, and she said, well, what do you talk about? And I said, oh, yeah, this and that and the other thing. And, and I said, uh, oh, but Corinna hates allies, so don't be an ally. <laughs> yeah i'll say that you said they were all transphobic (laughs) yeah how come they're not on the show transphobes (laughs) 
that's fine. I didn't want to have to educate her anyway, unless she knows my uh, my Venmo. <laughs> Uh, right. Okay. So you're going to get me an ally t-shirt. That's awesome. Yep. I might get one for myself because I'm running low on rags. Well, there are cheaper rags. There are rags you can get that don't support Target. That's true. But I want to really get in some elbow crease when I'm cleaning. And that, that sort of rage power of looking at the word ally on my rag. Take that ally. Arr. What's the opposite of ally other than Axis? What's the opposite of ally enemy, I guess? Mm. No, maybe that's not the opposite. That's pretty similar, actually. Come to think on it. <laughs> Indifference? Hmm. Oh, I know. I, I have the perfect analogy. So let's say that you were having uh, Israel take your land from you and treat you badly every time that you crossed into Israel to get some supplies or something. And then also imagine that there was somebody in a small college town half a world away who is completely indifferent to your suffering and pain. That's the opposite of an ally. <laughs> oh, hey, I can mention uh, Mystic Symbolic. So Corinna and I are both working on Mystic Symbolic, the visionary art generator, free software, free culture project that I am doing in collaboration with Atul Varma. And I made a video about it. If you've enjoyed the show up to this point, will you please <laughs> click on the GoFundMe link in the show notes and consider dropping in one or $200? Or more. Or more. Yes, if you like... Uh... If you aren't cheap. Because <laughs> it's so relevant. These, these two projects have so much in common. The Heterodorks podcast. It's like the Heterodorks podcast, but art and software. That's right. It's just like that. Right. It's not like that at all, actually. Maybe that maybe people will like it more. If you don't like this podcast. Right. If you hate this podcast, if you've been listening to every episode and think, what a couple of twits, then consider going to the GoFundMe and dropping one or two hundred dollars, unless you aren't cheap and want to drop even more. And if you make that GoFundMe really take off, then we won't have to make the podcast anymore. But we will. Because we can't express these ideas in Mystic Symbolic. But maybe we'd be so busy with Mystic Symbolic that we would stop this. It could be like bicycling in that way. That it would, you know, idle hands are the devil's playthings. <laughs> and this would keep Corinna and me off the streets, so to speak. Off the internet. It could be so funded that we could just work on it instead of looking at internet bullshit. Wouldn't that be cool? That would be wonderful. It would be. Speaking and, of off the streets, Nina, can I tell you something that happened to me the other week? Well, yes. There's a new restaurant on the street corner where I live, like literally four buildings away. And oh. I went in to get some food. And then I stepped outside to wait for my food to be prepared because it's a kind of a, it's a takeout and it's sort of a small space and I wanted to stand outside. A man pulled up in a car and asked if I needed help or wanted a ride. And I said to him loudly, are you looking for a prostitute? <laughs> and he rolled up his window and drove away. 
and I was sitting there dumbfounded and another car came up and the guy rolled down to his window and he said, Hey, do you want to ride? Yes. In the span of three minutes, two men tried to pick me up like I was a prostitute standing on a corner four buildings away from my house. Well, did that, did, did you feel validated? Was that so validating? First of all, I felt stupid for wearing my miniskirt and my fishnet stockings. I thought because I went out of the house wearing flats that it wouldn't send a signal like I was a harlot or anything. But, uh, nope. That was apparently a, a bad choice. I was wearing jeans and a big giant sweatshirt. Like, like a, like a hoodie. I, I looked like a, a, a hood rat. I don't know if that's a, if I'm allowed to say that or not. I had a hoodie and I looked like a rat. My hair, my hair was all tangled and, and gross. Why is somebody trying to like pick me up on the street corner while I'm just waiting for my food right next to my house? I fucking hate it. Men are stupid and horrible. I mean, it sounds like that's a regular spot. You no. might have actually been on somebody's turf. Hey, turfs and trannies. <laughs> some some pimp's gonna come out and and start chasing you off this is four buildings away from my house there's no prostitutes hanging out there hmm although now i know there's a spot if i you know well no 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 even still what fuck men you're just saying this to make all the um trans activists that hate you jealous jealous that i live in a neighborhood where never mind no, they're, they, I, I have read them actually post things like being, they feel validated if they're catcalled or sexually harassed. I would like to know the magic phrase to make those people never, ever try something like that again. Actually, I do know the magic phrase. You want to hear the magic phrase? Are you looking for a prostitute? No, there's a better one. I'm a man. But see, then then you have to worry about them getting violent. No, I can run to my house. It's only four buildings away. <laughs> you might want to carry your sword and your arrow, your bow and arrow, as you go to the corner. I was! How dare they? You know what? Actually, that's a good idea. If I strap a, a katana onto my side while I go pick up my my takeout, then probably I'll be harassed less, and if I am harassed, then I can threaten back. Very normal. Very normal behavior. Huh. You know that I'm a man thing? That makes me wonder. I mean, of course, nobody uh, nobody identifies me as a target like this now because I'm menopausal, and it's evident. My hair is grayish, and hmm. I look different. I'm I'm too old to be regarded as a prostitute in indianapolis and and too far away you're not even close to indianapolis <laughs> and too far away but i'm wondering if when i was younger if that would have worked but i'm pretty sure that's what i mean i've read stories about women who identified as men who got raped and told their rapists that they were a man and the rapist didn't care can you believe that? They obviously were students of rad radical feminist philosophy. 
because they would know that it's really the material body that matters and not the identity. And that's why they didn't care because of, right. of radical feminism. Because of the radical feminism. Yes. Radical right. feminists, feminism produced a lot of rapists. There are a lot of radical feminist rapists. <laughs> Sorry. This is going to be just like so difficult to understand. <laughs> this, is, this podcast is like so utterly useless. For people who aren't us. But if you are enjoying this podcast, you probably are us. So That's right. But if you aren't us, go give money to the GoFundMe for the Mystic Symbolic Project. Or even if you are. Some of us have already done that. Honestly, I swear I thought it was a transition fund. <laughs> it is. We're trying to trans this project from not done to done okay nina nina i do have one extra piece of internet bullshit to tell you about yes this morning i was on the application clubhouse which you used to be a part of but have wisely abandoned and i was to call back to the beginning of our show i was talking about how ellen degeneres is possibly the last lesbian in hollywood after a while uh group of young women came into the room. One of them recognized me and called me out because I had publicly defended the rights of women and girls to compete against the same sex in sports, in high school and collegiate sports. And she was telling me that I was empowering the transphobes by being a transsexual who is opposed to natal boys competing against natal girls in a sports format that was designed to protect the right for girls to compete against one another. And it is just the most bizarre and unthinkable situation that a natal male, myself a transsexual, was lecturing to a group of young women about why women's and girls' rights need to be defended, and that they were, on the other hand, telling me, a natal male, they, natal females, were telling me, a natal male, why it was important for natal boys to be able to compete against natal girls and women in sports. They were giving up or, or abandoning their own rights and I was, I guess you could say, mansplaining or transplaining the importance of retaining the rights for girls and women. And it, it's just a unimaginable scenario, and the, it should never happen like that. Yes. Why? Why are women so enthusiastic about ideologies that eliminate women's rights it's like a cult how it's like they're recruited to give away the thing that their mothers and aunties have fought to be recognized yes why do you think it appeals to them why do you think they go so gung-ho i mean i i wonder about this a lot a lot of feminists wonder why women tend to be the most vocal 
supporters of the movement against women's rights. I can't even fathom. I can't I can't even begin to guess an answer. Do you have an inclination? Do you have an idea? I have an idea. So you get head pats. You get real approval for showing sacrifice and taking care of other people when you're female and you don't get a lot of approval for being a full human being you certainly don't get approval for standing up for yourself uh the worst thing is you know if you're mean or you know don't don't play well with others uh or you're a bitch so i think i mean i'm i just try to put myself in that position as a young woman and uh i would just see a niche where like oh if i uh if i advocate for males i will i will be super duper appreciated for doing that and it's an attractive niche uh, I mean, eventually it will be so full of eager young women that it won't be much of a niche anymore. But uh, while it's a while it's a niche, it's a way for women to get like a lot of positive feedback. It was like that in the '90s with being sex positive. So when I was coming of age in the '80s, and then flowing into the 90s when I was becoming really sexually active among feminists there was still the late 80s criticism of porn and criticism of promiscuity and you know just the usual uh but then there was this new avenue available for young women which was to be sex positive and instead of condemning pornography actually doing pornography and uh being a stripper and what i i didn't acknowledge this consciously but uh there were plenty of men ready to just adore and appreciate women that would do that and being heterosexual and all, I I wanted that. I really don't think I was conscious of it. But yeah, I was I was drawn to that niche. I was much more interested in the approval of men than the approval of women. Mm. And if those men, I mean, it was a different time, but if those men identified as women, that would have been fine because I still knew that they were men. Turf. <laughs> but I wouldn't have said that I knew that they were men. <laughs> I would have said that sex is a social construct. Right. I really want these young women to take back the rights that they're trying to throw away. I hope they do. I hope they reclaim the things that they have treated so carelessly. Andrea Dworkin wrote a great book called Right Wing Women. 
And my favorite chapter of that book was called Abortion, even though it talked about lots of things that were not abortion. And I actually uh, put that essay on my blog so people can find it. I can even link to it. But it was, she did such a good, I, good job of examining or describing the motivations of uh, hippie chicks because that was her era. It was the free love young hippie chicks that, uh, you know, believed that sex was liberating and they were going against their mothers who were telling them not to screw men willy-nilly uh, because they had very good reasons for that. And uh, there, are, there are echoes of that, I think, happening right now. A lot of it has to do with youthful trust mm. and people exploiting uh, the, the trust and optimism of young women, which is born ever anew with every generation. There are more trusting, idealistic young women who fall for this shit. Wake up, girls. <laughs> Unfortunately, you know, you have to live. You have to live to figure some of this stuff out. We all start pretty naive. I sure was. If you can't just take the word of a transsexual who's telling you to stop throwing away your rights, then who else can you believe? Exactly. Take it from a male-bodied person. Who gets picked up on street corners. Right. But, you know, you're a male-bodied person who's not really into uh, girls. No, not really. Yeah. So they're probably never going to get what they want from you. <laughs> well, they couldn't get what they want from me anyway. <laughs> Which, of course, I mean, is compassion and understanding. I'm just too hard of a person for that. Uh. All right. Thank you, Turfs and Trannies. We're going to sign off for real now. All right. Bye.